Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Amanda Bowlby, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Heart disease is a leading cause of death in the world, and it is a common comorbidity in patients with HIV. A new study presented at ID Week 2020 examined the rates of American College of Cardiology guideline adherence for atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease prevention among people with HIV who have calculated risk scores in the low, intermediate, and high-risk ranges. Here with us today to discuss their study are the lead authors. My name is Peter Cangelosi. I'm a fourth-year medical student at Rutgers New Jersey Medical School. My name is Mark Liotta. I'm also a fourth-year medical student at Rutgers New Jersey Medical School. My name is Deanna Finkel. I'm an assistant professor of medicine, division of infectious disease at uh, New Jersey Medical School in Newark. Thank you all for joining me today. To start, can you give us a brief overview of your study and its findings? We've been aware that HIV is uh, kind of a risk factor for people developing some sort of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, whether that's um, risk of a stroke or an MI. But a lot of the guidelines don't really address what to do specifically for these people with HIV um, or how to address this. So the point of this study was to look at University Hospital in Newark, New Jersey, its infectious disease clinic, and look at how we're managing the HIV patients there based on the current guidelines for um, ASCVD prevention. So like the Medicine College of Cardiology has these calculators that they use and that they recommend clinicians to take into account lipid levels, high blood pressure, diabetes, and smoking to determine a person's risk of developing atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease over a 10-year range. Um, and then based on this, develop some sort of risk score and then can determine if it's appropriate to give some sort of therapy. Most of the time, it's some sort of statin therapy. So we use these similar guidelines to this HIV population to see how well the clinic is adhering uh, to these guidelines based on the risk factors of these patients. So overall, we looked at a, a, over a 1,000 patients' uh, charts in the clinic. After accounting for potential reasons for not giving a statin, such as interactions with other types of medications or adverse effects that it may have caused the patient, uh, we checked basically how well they were following the guidelines and found that for the low-risk group that the ASCVD risks were groups them in and the high-risk actually had okay adherence rates. Uh, they were pretty good, but when compared to the high and the low-risk, the intermediate group was significantly less than that of the, the high and the low-risk. Basically, the main points of the study was that within this group, we were kind of lacking compared to the other groups. So next steps for us for this would be to kind of look at how to improve uh, within the specific group range and why they necessarily may or may not be overlooked. So our study was done in the infectious disease practice outpatient clinic of University Hospital in Newark, New Jersey. Our clinic is a Ryan White funded clinic, and we serve over 3,000 patients. The majority of the individuals living with HIV in our practice, over 80% are African-American or Black, and another 20% are Latinx. It is an urban population, and many of our patients also receive primary care from us. 
So the study was done to evaluate patients in our clinic who were aged between 40 to 79 and had a clinic visit in over the last year to see whether we were managing adequately their risk factors and treating them appropriately for cardiovascular risk. In 2019, the American College of Cardiology did add that HIV is a promoter, but it's not really considered, it's still debatable, and that data is still ongoing on whether or not uh, it by itself is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. So there have been several large studies currently in progress that would suggest that it is so. Right. Yeah. And one, so I was just, again, kind of reviewing those, those guidelines um, prior to this. And yeah, it's listed as a risk enhancing factor is how they, you know, refer to it. So not maybe fully on the level of, um, you know, diabetes or something like that as a risk factor, but being, you know, officially recognized in the guidelines as a risk enhancing factor. And then importantly in the, in the risk estimator tool and the calculator that we use for you know, creating a risk score and deciding what kind of management these patients need, you know, this risk enhancing factor and many of them aren't incorporated into that calculator. So on top of the fact that we're still kind of figuring out, you know, how much of a uh, risk enhancer it is, you know, the, the risk scores that we use also likely underestimate that risk further by not being able to incorporate HIV at this point. Definitely a great point. Um, so we all know that cardiovascular disease is a common comorbidity among patients with HIV, uh, but what knowledge gaps uh, does your study fill? The study fills the gap of, or even background knowledge in, on whether or not we're doing the same kind of care for everybody living with HIV and evaluating them for statin therapy in the medium, high, or low-risk groups that we have. Our study suggested, though, that while we certainly are aware of cardiac risk factors, perhaps we're not managing the group that's at intermediate risk, which is the group that might not be right away noted to have increased cardiovascular risk, such as, I mean, they don't, maybe they're not over, very overweight, um, as we found in the group who had diabetes that we tended to not be as aware of risk factors for cardiovascular disease in the group who was thin and other criteria that might not immediately suggest that this person is at increased risk without calculating on paper their risk with this calculated tool that we were using. So it suggests that perhaps we should be using more of the tools that are available to calculate uh, risk factors and to also remember that um, we should evaluate everybody for their cardiovascular risk, whether or not they're overweight, um, whether or not they're thin, you know, uh, male, female, no matter how they're presenting. So that way we'd be able to capture some some of the people that might not be adequately uh, being treated for uh, their increased risk for cardiovascular disease. I was just going to say that right now that we sort of you know, recognize cardiovascular disease as a common comorbidity among patients with HIV. That's becoming more of an accepted fact. I guess the study adds into, you know, answering the question of are we using that in, in our everyday practice and are we managing those patients with that fact in mind? And so, as Dr. Finkel was mentioning, it, it seems like in that intermediate risk population, or maybe, right, they don't jump out at you as 
person has diabetes and I'm definitely worried about heart disease with them, are we still taking the time to you know, calculate the risk score and make sure that they're getting uh, the appropriate management they need? Based on your experience in the study, uh, what are some of the best practices for screening ASCVD among patients with HIV? The standard guidelines that are published by the American College of Cardiology apply to our patients as well, as well as the Diabetes uh, Association uh, guidelines as well. So patients living with HIV should be screened as, as those who are not living with HIV. However, they should be paying more careful attention to some to comorbidities in general in our population, because as previous studies have suggested, persons living with HIV have more, more comorbidities such as diabetes, hypertension, and uh, cardiovascular risk. Additionally, to try to perhaps not overlook some of the risk factors that might not be as obvious to us when we're doing the histories, but they are in the system since a lot of us use, all of us almost use electronic medical records, perhaps we would be best served by also using the tools that are provided in many of our EMRs to calculate cardiovascular risk factors through the ACVD calculator score. Um, that was actually something Mark and Peter had suggested after they completed this quality analysis that they did as well. Yeah, I think the screener tool does a pretty good job of addressing at least cardiovascular risk. Like Dr. Finkel said, kind of with or without HIV, we should be looking at those populations in a similar light. I think one thing that I thought was particularly interesting while going through the data, or at least the chart reviews, is that there were quite a number of patients that we really couldn't calculate a risk score for or screen them even just because they were either missing some pertinent information like lipid values for the calculator or their values were out of range. For practices to just continue screening our patients and making sure that those values are recorded somewhere so that they can actually make those calculations. But just reinforcing the idea that the screener tool kind of does its job, it's just it's sometimes it's missing the tools it needs. What prevention measures should be taken in this population? And are patients with HIV managed any differently than patients without HIV? I mean, I think so, patients with yeah. HIV do not necessarily need to be managed differently. It's more trying to understand the, the risk factors and the barriers your particular population living with HIV versus without HIV has in getting them into appropriate health practices, such as quitting smoking and uh, diet exercise. Also, because of the higher rate of diabetes and prediabetes, we should also probably focus in particular also on nutritional education in our population. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, the same prevention measures that you want to take in any population and, you know, lifestyle modification and, and diet and blood pressure control and things like that. One other just, I guess, slight difference that we looked at a bit in our study was medication interactions that can come into play when you have patients who are on uh, different antiretroviral therapies, oftentimes these different combination medicines that may interact with the statins that you would generally prescribe for this ASCVD risk. So, and that's something we tried to factor into our assessment of guideline adherence as well, was maybe this patient should be on a high-intensity statin, but that's actually not recommended when they're also taking this other ART medication. One caveat is having to sort of balance those medication interactions, as you would when you know, considering 
any patient with multiple comorbidities. Another thing we picked up, which I'm not sure we discussed as well, was ownership of the medical care. Because sometimes patients will see their HIV provider uh, on a referral, and sometimes we are managing them for all their disease states. We might be missing an opportunity for those that we are only treating for HIV in terms of decreasing their risk factors, because, you know, this is something we might be thinking their primary doctor should be doing. However, this is an opportunity to treat the whole person. All of us together should be working to decrease our patient's morbidity and risk factors for cardiovascular disease. The conversation can be begun by anybody and should be begun by everybody, really, in terms of risk factors that might be something we can affect, such as diet, exercise, smoking, adherence to antihypertensive treatment, and lifestyle changes. In your opinion, uh, how do you hope your research impacts the future of CVD screening among patients with HIV? Our research further shows that the use of a tool, a calculated tool, might suggest that it might that that would improve screening if you not just relying on you know perhaps something you have in mind we should also use the tools that are available to us through our EMRs to screen as well as also screening and making sure that everything that's needed to be able to use the EMR tools is available also i think we should uh, use this opportunity to encourage HIV providers as well as primary care providers and all providers who care for patients who are living with HIV to try to set in programs and not miss opportunities to help decrease cardiovascular risk factors and, in, and improve life, lifestyle modification adherence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think kind of one of the big contextual points of the project was, you know, now that patients living with HIV when taking medications are living longer, healthier uh, lives, the issues of cardiovascular disease and, and diabetes, the, the typical chronic conditions that um, everyone deals with are, we gonna, are going to become more and more of a, a prevalent issue. And so, you know, we, I think we hope that our research and data sort of just adds more to that evidence of, you know, considering the, the impacts of HIV as a risk factor for a lot of these other chronic conditions and, you know, right, figuring out how uh, to best incorporate these screening practices in the discussion of, of the care of all of our patients. Yeah, one other thing that I, I would just add is um, also I think for us it was pretty impressive that we found that you know this intermediate group was one of the ones overlooked. When you look at something that's a low risk group, as long as you're really not providing them a statin, you kind of need guideline adherence. And for a high risk group, there's usually some reason, or it's kind of more blatantly obvious um, in these groups. Either they're smoking or they have really high blood pressure to begin with. So even without using this calculator, clinicians are more inclined or may start thinking about, you know, giving a statin or some other therapy regardless. But interesting to note that like this intermediate group where may require the calculator, may require it to see some of the hidden risk factors for pretty much any patient that could suffer from some sort of cardiovascular disease. It emphasizes the point that all clinicians at least should take some ownership of this for the patient because there are a lot of impacts that just giving a medication or helping them with their lifestyle could have. Very well said. Thank you all so much for joining me today on this podcast and talking to me about your research. 
right. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you very much. We greatly appreciated the opportunity to be able to share our study with you and to have this opportunity again to emphasize the need for ongoing studies as well as care for comorbidities in a population living with HIV.